What is up, everyone? This is Jacob Moses, host of the Not Boring Tech Writer, where in each episode, we teach technical writers a different skill so they can enhance their skill sets, improve their marketability, diversify their career, and pretty much just prove to all the haters that technical writing is not a boring career. This episode's skill, understanding user experience design. Think about the technical writer's relationship with software documentation. Technical writers excel at describing the functions, possible use cases, and benefits of a feature within a single document. But how do we know how the user navigated to that document? What experiences has he or she had with the software or particular feature before that could dictate how we craft that single document? That's where user experience design comes in. Applying usability, accessibility, and user testing practices to enhance the experience of the user. To help me unpack this topic, my guest today is Autumn Hood, User Experience Designer at Sabre. Together, we'll teach you how to think like a user experience designer so you can create an enjoyable documentation experience for your users. Enjoy. Hi, Autumn. How are you doing today? Hey, Jacob. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing good. Thank you. And thank you for taking some time to chat with me today. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. No, of course. Thank you for having me on. Yeah. Um, so we've had some conversations preceding this interview, um, kind of with the theme that the role of the traditional tech writer, um, being a good writer and editor, really isn't enough. Um, and as more organizations are re-engineering, we're actually seeing a lot of those traditional tech writing roles um, being outsourced. And that's because the technical writer is now being called um, to do more symbolic analytic work, really rethinking how to create, store, retrieve, and display content um, for multiple different purposes. And I really think a huge part of that is understanding user experience design, which is what you're a professional in. Uh, so just to get us started, would you mind defining user experience design for us and give us a few real life examples? Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, user experience goes beyond the screen, um, although that's definitely where it's most applied in terms of you know how we think of it. But it's basically this concept that um, you know, so when someone's interacting with something, they have a an experience with it, and that embodies, you know, maybe the interface that they're interacting with, their physical context, their previous experience with that entity or that brand, maybe, maybe their trust of that brand, um, you know, maybe more specifically like a user flow. So when we're talking about user experience, it doesn't just have to be the screen. I mean, you can think about it with another analogy, for example, a car, you can drive like a 1983 beater, right? And it'll get you from A to B, but the experience of perhaps driving, you know, like a 2016 Tesla is going to be totally different, even though they perform basically the same function and they allow you to complete your tasks the same way. So that's kind of the difference, you know, in terms of, well, you know, how can experiences be different from virtually the same product. 
And so user experience design is basically the discipline of enhancing those experiences using principles like usability, accessibility, um, you know, color, design theory um, for, you know, interfaces that people actually see and interact with. Um, you know, using user-centered design practices, uh, using user research or user testing results if you're able to get them. And so you use all these things, you use all these tools to try to produce effects that are desirable and predictable um, and software, basically, in my, in my case, that people are going to understand and like using. I love it. And then yep. so thinking about the end user, and that really is the focal point in user experience design, obviously. Say sure. they're wanting to learn more about the software. Um, how, where does user experience design come in to ensure that the end user is able to find content throughout this site? How, how does user experience help them, help them navigate? Well, that is a really good question. And I think that that kind of goes back to your opening statement, which is that it's not enough to be able to write and design anymore. And that's because our expectations of what our role is in understanding software or, or anything that's documented has changed so drastically. Um, you know, before, you know, let's say 30 to 40 years ago, when we're starting to see more of personal, um, you know, software and hardware that's com- kind of coming into our homes more mm. um, on a, at a individual level, you know, we're, we're given these, these manuals and we're kind of expected, that's kind of like the least uh, common you know, denominator that it's an enterprise has to give you to understand, so you can understand something. It's like, well, we have to give them something. So, you know, um, and so people kind of got used to to reading these documents because that's all they knew and they thought that was good enough. But then, of course, like you know, trends have changed, and um, I think user experience design plays a huge role along with technical communication and technical documentation because so much of the content that people access is now online. Um, and not only that, but these these um, metaphors for how we access this content are changing now to shift more towards like a community-based way of accessing things. So mm. you're thinking think the technical forums, Stack Exchange. I mean, like if you're a user and you're just trying to figure out a simple problem, you're more likely to probably search Google or search Stack Exchange or search, um, you know, that maybe that applications or that brand site you know just really quickly and so you and and so you're interacting with that content but in a digital format a lot of the time and so um you know digital interfaces aren't necessarily we've learned how to use them but it's not quite the same as flipping through a document um you have to understand the site's information architecture you have to understand the site's clickability cues you have to understand the site's navigation um all those things are going to affect the way you're able to access the content that you're looking for. So really, it's like user experience. That that has to be set up in a way for the users to succeed to find what they're looking for. Um, even down to things that you can't see, like um, search results and the way things are tagged and the metadata mm-hmm. that is associated with them. That's also a part of the user experience. It's just not you know you can't you can't see it. Yeah. And, and you raise a great point about how whenever individuals were getting this hardware that it was okay like here's here's a manual like this is this right, is what's expected yeah. we're going to give it to you and our our last guest um we talked about um just in time documentation and that was really as um, the end user asks a question you provide an answer how it's still good to have those manuals but those are more oh, yeah. just in case because because the end user and i think this ties in well with user experience design 
they're not necessarily thinking in terms of feature. They're thinking in terms of the action they'd like to take. Right. And they're I more think that's a perspective oriented. that the UX designer has. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, yeah. For sure. They're they're a little bit more task oriented in their queries than kind of system oriented. Like what if, what is it about this thing that I'm trying to figure out? It's it's more self, you know, it's more self reflective. It's like what am I trying to do, regardless of how the thing does it. Um and so I think that that plays a huge role in how tech com really you can't have I think good tech com without good UX design and vice versa. Yeah. So let's yeah. talk about knowledge bases, where the sure. end user goes to find information on the task that to accomplish. Uh, let's start kind of broad and talk about what do you think a knowledge base with good UX design looks like and then what a knowledge base with poor UX design would look like. What are some elements? Well, yeah, absolutely. You know, I think like we kind of already touched on a huge one for me, which is system-centered design or system-centered content versus user or task-centered content. So it's like describing in great detail what this system might do in the system's own terms versus like what users are actually trying to do with that system and whether or not that function is something people even are looking for or know is there um, and you know whether or not it's in terminology people are expecting and understand so I think that's a huge uh, you know that's a huge gap between good knowledge center and, and, a, and a bad knowledge center and I think another one has to do with information architecture so kind of the way the content is laid out um, you know are things where people expect to find them do the are the associations that the writers or or you know UX designers have made are those associations the same as their users? Um, so I think that that those are two huge categories of of where sometimes the content or the design can fail the users, and so they can't they can't be successful. And in your experience, uh, how has the UX designer worked with? the technical communicator or vice versa? Have you noticed they've often been siloed or have they had good conversation throughout? What has your experience been? Sure. So, I mean, you know, there definitely is uh, somewhat of a silo when you're working remote, which is which is the case for a lot of big companies because it's just impossible to have, um, you know, people working all together, which would be ideal. But, you know, a lot of the times what UX designers can do to kind of help their writers because it's I mean, they're the people that are making sure, and it's not just end users that tech writers write for, right? Because they're often writing for the engineers themselves. Mm -hmm. Like this is this is for the engineers to be able to continue to work on this product, yeah. for example, or customer <laughs> support. I heard it. I was at a yeah. a tech writing meetup or write the docs meetup a couple of weeks ago, and uh, a young man said that um, support makes the end user's life easier, and uh, documentation makes support's life easier. <laughs> right. And yeah, I was like, like it man, could that's be that's huge. That is such a huge concept. Um config I mean admins, configurators, uh, configurators. So, yeah, there's a lot of people that are using this documentation, but end users are for sure one of our, you know, main focal points. But mm. um, you know, I think that in being good technical communicators themselves, that's that's the way UX designers are going to really create this path of, you know, communication, um, reciprocity with, with the writers that are, you know, documenting what they're designing. So understanding principles of style, understanding principles of voice and tone um, and clarity, those, I mean, I think that it's essential for designers to be able to know those concepts so that they're able to explain what it is that they're trying to put out there. Yeah. So let's talk a little bit about design 
and um, those basic design elements. Um, how can a technical communicator think about design as they're writing the documents? I know we mentioned voice mm-hmm. and we mentioned mm-hmm. tone, which are huge, um, but there's a bigger picture in just thinking about how that content is being designed among the rest of the content. What are some what are some action items tech writers can take to improve their design mindset? Oh, that is so huge. So, I mean, even if we just forget the digital interface for now and we just go back to paper manuals, um, you know, tech writers have a lot of design uh, aspects to mm-hmm. their content. You know, for example, obviously things like headings, things like primary, secondary, and tertiary headings, things like emphasis, things like terminology. So in there, a lot of the times you're using things like color theory. Um, you're wanting to use colors that contrast but don't conflict. You're wanting colors that don't provide any kind of existing associations that they're not meant to provide. Um, you're wanting to ensure that there's proximity between headers and body content and so on and so forth. You're wanting to make sure that you're consistent consistently using the same cues to users, like whether or not this is a definition term or whether or not this is a technical term. Um, So you're constantly employing design elements such as color and typeface and alignment. And and that's just for uh, like, you know, print print technical communication and then you move on to the web and then you have to think about, well, how are people searching for this content? What are the words they're going to use most likely? What kinds of metadata do I have to then make sure it gets implemented into this content? Um, so really, it's like a lot of these things, you know, apply whether or not you're, you're writing for the web or you're writing for print. So Autumn, we, we started the conversation just talking about how the, the traditional tech writer's role of being a good a good writer and editor aren't necessarily enough to bring an organization value. Um, let's think about the traditional tech writer um, versus the tech writer who's able to kind of get more of the big picture and apply um, that UX mindset to their documentation. What, what makes he or she more valuable than the traditional tech writer? One of my favorite answers for this kind of question um, comes from an article I read a few years ago in school, Ginny Reddish Understanding Readers. Um, basically, and, and you know, a lot of what you learn in tech comm courses, it, I mean, it comes down to usability and user experience. It's just we kind of frame it around the language that's used and the words and the content. But, I mean, so much of it really is just whether or not a document is usable. Um, so anyway, this article, basically, you know, I don't remember the specifics, but they cleaned up this document, they did some user testing on it, they improved it. The document had previously been system-centered and they made it user-centered and calls dropped by like 50% or some crazy number. Um, People people were like, you know, the revenue had increased because people were coming back more and more as return customers. So having a product that is usable and, and then, you know, on top of that, the documentation that's usable, it really saves you know, it saves real dollars because companies are then having to spend less and less on rework, whether that's dev or whether that's the content itself, like the technical, you know, communication itself, um, or whether that's the amount of support you have to provide through a call center. So, you know, getting it right the first time, it takes longer up front, but it's in the end, it pays out, you know, a million times over. That's a technical communicator's often biggest struggle is, okay, like, I know I'm doing good work, I know it's necessary, but I can't really yeah. prove its effect on the bottom line. Yeah. So we'll include so think- that article um, in the show notes if y'all, if listeners are interested in um, what Miss Autumn is talking about. Sounds like a lovely article. Oh, it's a great article that I still come back to this day. I don't remember the specifics, but it's, it's really, really great. Um, and Ginny Reddish is just 
fantastic. But there's another article, kind of to your point about, well, people are struggling to to prove this value maybe up front. Maybe they're needing more resources. Like I maybe I, I have too much on my plate and I don't have time to, to test this document or, you know, do user research to make sure I'm writing it for the right people or the right way. And then um, Susan Weinshank, I think is how you pronounce her name. I might have to correct myself later. But it's some but she she has a great webinar on uh, the ROI of user research, but it applies to what you're talking about. Um, basically, you know, she she provides people in our positions with the tools necessary to make these kinds of persuasive arguments to, you know, people like management or executives or other stakeholders to say, um, you know, like yes, it's it's gonna cost us, you know, this much up front to hire more people or to to stop work and, and do this kind of testing, but in the end it saves you know, this much time and this much money. So having those kinds of persuasive skills and understanding and that, and that alone is a technical communication concept, right? I mean, talking to your audience in Mm -hmm. terms that motivate them and, and that they, uh, you know, understand. So management, obviously they're about bottom line, they're about resources. Um, so coming to the table with, with content for them is going to, you know, increase your success. That's big autumn. (laughs) Yep. (laughs) <laughs> um, well, thank you. <laughs> so let's uh, let's finish off by just I think we've done an awesome job of really unpacking what user experience design means on its own, and then also its relationship with technical communication. And yeah. if someone's listening and they feel they feel confident as a writer or editor, but really want to increase their value um, as an employee to his or her organization. What are some action items that they can apply today to really work on really honing in on that user design, uh, user experience design perspective on their work? Absolutely. Well, I mean, you know, again, it kind of depends on what their role is and exactly what they're writing. But, you know, for example, if if someone is writing technical documentation that they know is going to be on the web, you know, I would find out, Okay, well, what is our site like? Where are they finding this kind of um this content where what are they searching to find it you know you can find those kinds of analytics and so that might that might inform the language that you use in your document you might say well you know i've been i've been typing in the word um product all this time but really they're calling it device when they search 90 mm-hmm. percent of the time so maybe that's what i need to be calling it um so finding out you can find out all kinds of analytics you can find out all kinds of user research with um you know you can partner with people that are already doing this work probably most likely in your company and and really get more information from them um to to really enhance the content that you're writing to make sure that it's it's really streamlined and it's really consistent um, to you, you mentioned those silos, and I think that just just trying to reach out, I mean, is one way to help break them down and just kind of, you know, if if you're if you're designers or your researchers or your developers, if they're not really that aware of your role, I would make them aware of your role and let them know what you're doing, and you know, I think that they would be happy to tell you like, okay, well, this is this is something that we're working on, and maybe something your users are struggling with, and that can help inform what you write about. Yep. And then that ties in back to value too. Making oh, sure yeah. Because we often do work in silos, getting in there yeah. and talking with the different teams and I think being aware of yeah. what's going on. I mean, it's a it's an yeah. expansive ecosystem, but it's it's good to always be in the loop and that definitely helps with a, a technical communicator's value. And I would like to, um, just if there's time, just oh, kind of mention, right, just, you know, if we can kind of mention, you know, if anyone is looking into getting into the... Um, 
you know, UX design field or user UX research field. Um, I would just like to say that, it, you know, it's actually, it's easier than it, or, you know, I don't want to make it sound like it's not work, but it's, it's more feasible. It's more possible maybe than it might seem. I know at first it's kind of daunting to think about, well, there's this whole other subject matter. I don't know if I really have time to get into that. Um, you know, just some tips that I have for anyone that is interested. I'm, I'm assuming people maybe are, but maybe they're not. Um, but I think that, you know, anyone that's going through like a tech comm program is really learning the foundation that they need to move to, to like maybe branch out into these other areas of like UX. Um, so like, cause you're learning about audience analysis, you're learning about um, clarity. You're learning about like making sure that the message you send out there is the one that people are receiving. Um, you're learning all kinds of, of tools already and then it's just kind of a different way to apply them when you talk about UX design and, and it's maybe a different set of tools and software that you use to produce that stuff but um, I mean it's really really quite close um, and, and another thing I will say is that you often kind of, at least for me and actually there's another girl that I work with that actually went through our the same program that Jacob and I went through, um, and we both are on the UX team, but we have these tech comm backgrounds, and you kind of find yourself doing like these tech comm like like roles. Like for example, we needed a really short like two pager on how to set up Camtasia for the like the specific type of video that our that our work was doing, and you know who else would do it but me? <laughs> like like you kind of find yourself you know, volunteering or being, or, you know, maybe being asked to help out in these areas because this technical communication, um, is so, so valuable. And, and, you know, I think it's kind of funny that we say things like it's not enough to write and edit anymore. I do believe that that's true, but it's also a little bit confusing to me because it still is something that I feel like is, is missing for some, I mean, you know, it's not something that people can do easily, uh, without, training or education or whatever so yeah i I, yeah. I agree i think the the testament to that is more so it's just understanding methodologies and it's yeah and that's and that's where you come in it's okay like how do we actually display this content how do we how do we conduct usability right. assessments to make sure it's even it's even useful uh yeah so, so yeah of course the being able to write and edit is an essential skill um yeah but i sure. think for um that central value really comes from being able to to supplement it with thinking about the user and um, user experience design. Yeah, which is everything that you're already doing. It's just uh, you know, as as like a technical technical writer in the more traditional sense, it's just you know, it, it to to think about the UX design part of it or the user experience part of it. Even you know, it's just thinking about well, where are your users going to be when they access this? Mm-hmm. And that's and that's a concept that's that's not foreign to tech comp. And I appreciate you bringing up how the skills that technical writers already possess do tie in well with user experience design. I mean, a huge part of this podcast um, isn't only just helping tech writers acquire more skills so they can stay in their current occupation, but it's also to encourage them to potentially uh, diversify their career and uh, to pursue new positions and new job titles that they're not restricted to just being called the tech writer and searching tech writer in their in indeed.com or whatever they're using that those skills yeah. do translate and i really appreciate you bringing that yeah. up yeah absolutely well autumn that was awesome and thank you so much <laughs> for just sharing your expertise with us and 
And I mean, the the technical communicator is always trying to find a way to exhibit their value. And I really appreciate mm-hmm. you sharing some of those anecdotes along the way as well. Um, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's of been course, fun. of course. And j- just to finish up, um, if anyone that's listening wants to connect with you or follow what you're doing, <laughs> um, where can they find you on the internet? Oh, gosh. Um, oh, my stuff is so neglected online. But um, yeah, I have a Twitter. Um, it's I, I tweet about UX design, like not very often, but mo- that's mostly what I tweet about. Um, so yeah, I'm on Twitter if anyone just wants to like have a new contact on there. I'm also on LinkedIn. I'm also very, you know, not very active on there. I have an online profile somewhere that has some of my work. Um, it's, I think it's just autumnlyhood.com. Although again, it's, it's actually, I think it might even say that I work at my last job still. So <laughs> I should probably update that. A nice time this to goes update, out. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely online, easy to search. So if anyone wants to just ask me more about, you know, UX design at all, um, please feel free to reach out. Awesome. Well, Autumn, thank you so much again. It was so nice talking to you. And yeah, it was great. Enjoy the rest of the day and we'll talk soon. Okay. Bye, Jacob. Bye, Autumn.